Hey, what's up, guys? It's Rico here, CEO of Source Financia, host of the Main and China podcast and the host of the Source Financia YouTube channel. Back with another one. This podcast was, uh, the way this podcast developed was interesting. So there's a website called clarity.fm, and it's essentially like a website where you can go and pay experts from different fields. You can pay them for their time and take a consulting call with them. So like, I think Mark Cuban's even listed on, like, if you pay him, it's something like $100 a minute or something like that. <laughs> I'm not quite at the Mark Cuban level yet. And then you can you can hop on a call with them. And like it depends on the consultant's preference, but you can pay by the minute. You can pay in chunks of like five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour, 30 minutes, whatever. You customize it and you customize your own pricing. So I put my Clarity profile up probably a year ago. Then two, three months ago, I put it up. Like I put some basic information, but two, three months ago, I decided to tweak it. I had um, our sales guy go in there and just, you know, update it, put a better picture, put a more professional, like, description even reduced like the price so i was like let's let's try to book some calls and then i can increase my price later so belinda uh, jacobs actually found me through clarity i guess she was she runs a tech pack design for manufacturing company so they you know if you don't know what a tech pack is we talk about it in the podcast so don't worry about it but she helps people design for manufacture if you want to make products in china but not just in china but other countries around the world she came from working in the fashion industry for a long time, working with big brands, big orders, and thought about doing it herself and very niche in the sense of just doing tech packs and taking that experience from working with Chinese brands and working with Chinese companies, manufacturers and stuff like that, dealing with their language barriers. And she understands how to communicate somebody's design effectively in a way that can also be made practically. So she found me through that and she's thinking about expanding her network and trying to find new avenues for new clients and she booked a call with me and she was the first person that booked a call with me on clarity and we were talking in that 15 minutes and i was like look I, I, she came to the right person if you're talking about trying to how to expand your network in china like <laughs> i think the specific question was like was there a benefit of her coming to china to expand her network and how would she do that i was like yeah there's so many different ways that you can do it like obviously i'm connected to like so many people in china uh, i'm part of wechat groups with hundreds of people that are all entrepreneurs that are all potential customers for her and then if we're talking about the events in china canton fair and stuff like that like the cross-border summit you have global sources summit you have amazon fba for you meetups like there's just and this is all places where you might find a thousand potential clients for your business at the very least you're going to walk away with a ton of leads so there was that and then those other aspect of like we offer design for manufacturing services for our clients, right? So I was like, there's, there's also potential collaboration there. And then there's also things like InterChina is helping people learn how to launch a product. They don't necessarily have in-house designers and things like that. So, well, another aspect is I think what she does is very relevant for my audience. So I, in the middle of our calls, like I, I should have you on the podcast. And this also goes back to what I was talking about before in one of my previous episodes with trying to conscientiously have more uh, women in the entrepreneurship space interviewed on my podcast so just trying to make more of an effort in that regard because of like i said i always talk about equality and stuff like that but then if <laughs> if you look at the amount of women i've had on the the podcast it doesn't really match what i've been saying so yeah i always talk about the importance of having experience designing for manufacturing in china and that is exactly what belinda has and she's in a startup grind, startup mode, so like very high quality service, very niche. She's very experienced in what she does, and I think she gave a lot of value in this episode. So 
Check it out. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. My opening question is if you meet somebody in a social setting that's outside of the industry, how do you answer the question? What do you do? Good question. So I am a technical designer. That's my job title. And that means I write specifications for manufacturing for specifically for clothing and textile products. So my clients are designers or brands or stores and they can send these documents to their factory and explain exactly how they want their product to be made. How did you get started in that? Like, were you always interested in, in design and fashion and engineering? Or Yeah, I was always interested in both design and, and fashion and how things are made um, growing up as a kid. I got my first job when I was in school, in the school holidays, working for a fashion company, putting things in bags. Um, stapling swatch cards together but I just really loved the environment and feeling creative and seeing products come to life and I studied clothing design and technology when I went to school and from there I had various jobs in the industry as a designer and technical designer um, working for all sorts of different brands. And a few years ago, when I moved to the US, I decided to start my own company specifically um, to solve this, um, the problem of tech packs and, and how to effectively communicate with an overseas factory. Can you mention some of the sort of the, the companies that you worked with before and some of the projects that you worked on? Yeah, so uh, my first job was working for a department store in the UK. And after that, I worked for a wholesaler and we would supply stores on the UK high street like Dorothy Perkins, um, Evans, places like that. And after that, I worked for a small menswear brand. And now most of my clients are small businesses and independent designers, maybe who only make a few products a year, but in large enough volumes to kind of want to invest in smoothing out the manufacturing process and making it as efficient as possible. And um, obviously, you, you have your own business now, but you spent a lot of time working for other companies. So what did you learn from all the, the fashion brands that you worked with? Like, What makes that a unique experience? Because a lot of my friends, for example, are people that didn't spend that much time working and started companies uh, a little bit earlier. So I'm always curious about people that make the transition after a few years. Yeah, I really learned a lot about the design to production process and all the difficulties that come with it. So even though I, I did work for big companies who had a lot of resources, we worked with really great factories, there were still a lot of issues, really the same issues that, you know, independent small companies have, you know, communicating with your factory, making sure you're both on the same page. Um, not making mistakes during the sampling process and even during the production process. It's kind of you have to nurture relationships carefully and try and be as efficient as possible with your production. 
what made you decide to start your own business? Good question. <laughs> I had an, a good opportunity to when we moved to the US and obviously I had to leave my old job anyway. But I just knew I could really help people solve one very specific big pain and that felt to me like it was a good opportunity really and I felt like I just just had something to offer people that could make their lives a little bit better. Yeah, I mean I, we kind of talked about this uh when we when we spoke last week it's like the differences between designing a product in a bubble or designing a product for manufacturing. I think a lot of times I have clients that come to me that have designs ready, but you know, they worked with somebody that has zero experience actually designing something that's been made. <laughs> so it's almost like they have to kind of redesign the whole product. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough, especially if you've never made any products before, there's just lots of things that you wouldn't know to think about and going from, an idea in your head to an actual physical real life product there's so many steps in between and it's really hard to correctly imagine things unless you've had tons of practice doing it so yeah it, it is harder than it sounds so you're originally from from england yes yeah and and then now you live in the states why did you move to america my husband had a job opportunity I guess we could talk about what you're doing right now, your current company, which is how, how we connected. What were the first steps that you took to actually start the business? How did you get your first client, for example? Um, how did I get my first client? So while I still had a full-time job, I was also moonlighting in my spare time and just working for clients during the evening and weekends. And those first, first clients, I just got off of Upwork, which is like a, an online jobs, freelance sort of project site. Yeah, I, I've worked with a couple designers off of Upwork as well. Yeah, that's awesome. So you kind of did like uh, Gary Vee and a lot of entrepreneurs talk about like the side hustle. So while you were working, your job used to have a, a little side hustle and then, and then eventually that becomes your main business, right? Yeah, yeah, gradually. Um, and, and I just, when I started working on it full time, it was pretty hard. You know, I only had a couple of really teeny tiny clients. It, it wasn't necessarily an easy transition. I just tried to kind of slowly, slowly build up my client list organically. And I mainly get new clients now through either word of mouth, you know, through other people who I know in the industry who recommend my services. And as well, I get a, a very small amount of traffic from my website. So the company's name is TechPacks, right? Yes. The website is techpacks.co. So can you just explain what services specifically do you provide? I know exactly what a tech pack is, but I, I know a lot of my audience might be listening and wondering, like, what is the difference between a tech pack, for example, versus like a CAD file? Yeah. So a tech pack, it's a fashion industry term and it's short for technical packet and it basically means a document uh, that explains your product. So it will have drawings, all your materials will be listed out, all the measurements for your product will be in there and the goal of the tech pack is really to be the one central hub of information 
for your product. So it's a bit like, if you're an easy analogy, it's a bit like the IKEA instruction manual that you get with your furniture. If you didn't have that documentation to look at when you were trying to put whatever it is, you know, the set of drawers together, it's going to be really, really difficult and you're really going to be working blindly and it's going to take much longer to put the product together. And when you do have it together, it's probably going to be pretty off um, because you can't see what it looks like from the back or the inside or which way things go. You're really just trying to make it easy for the factory to correctly make your product and, and make sure that it's made quickly and without mistakes. And tech packs are specifically used for what kind of products? So I believe that it, it sort of originated as a fashion industry term. So they're normally used for like clothing, accessories, other textile products, and for footwear as well. Yeah, that's what I was aiming at because I kept usually with CAD drawings, you're making products that are more industrial, like things that are made from plastic and metal. The tech packs are more textile based. I guess what are the main mistakes people make when they're creating a tech pack? for the first time and then trying to communicate with the factory? I would say one thing to watch out for is your fabric. So it's really important to have an appropriate fabric picked out before you actually start creating your tech pack because it will have a really big impact on the measurements that you're going to put in your tech pack because different fabrics fit very differently and it will have a big influence on the construction methods that you put in the tech pack so you would use different stitches and different seams depending on what the fabric is so it's definitely good to do your fabric research first pick something out that's going to be appropriate for your design and then sort of stick with that when you put the tech pack together like when you communicate with, let's say, specifically Chinese factories and, you know, you have a tech pack and you send it to them, what do you think is the hardest part to help them understand? Um, the hardest part, it depends on what you're making. I would definitely say quality of the materials and components is something that's hard to get across because there's not necessarily a written standard that you can just write in the tech pack. So it depends what it is. So sometimes you'll have to be extra careful, even if you do have a tech pack, and ask to get samples back, maybe before they've even actually sewn a sample for you, just of fabric swatches and components, trims, and just to make sure the things that they're actually going to use in putting your product together are the quality that you want. And then specifically with the type of products that people usually need tech packs for, is there a product category that is the most difficult to create a tech pack around? So like we've worked a lot with bags, high-end like leather bags for women and men. And I the first time, the first couple of times we made some of these bags, I was just like, there's so many aspects to creating a bag from, you know, the type of zipper to the little pockets to, you know, the material inside, the material outside, like the straps, like it's the clasps on the bag. It's, it's just a lot. But I, I mean, I haven't worked in, I haven't made tech packs for a lot of other products. So I'm curious about that. Yeah, bags can definitely be a really tricky one because like you say, there's so many components and, and different pockets and 
those are structural things going on. I would say different product categories have different issues that make them complicated or not. So like you said, for example, bags can be complicated, but they also, in another respect, are easier to specify because they normally only come in one size. So you don't have to worry about fitting multiple sizes. That's true. I've heard, I had this guy on my podcast, his name is Akash. You know, he does what I do. He sources from China, but he's specifically in the fashion industry and he works a lot with, with clothing and stuff. And he had an order that was rushed and was a gigantic order for an Australian client. And like literally the factory had mixed up all the sizes and the jeans. <laughs> Some of the sizes were two times larger than they were supposed to be. Like it was just crazy things like that. What specific services do you provide in your business? So we provide two different types of tech packs, basic one and an advanced one. And if people need extra help sort of getting the components of the tech pack together, so like if they need help with size charts or artwork or small things like that, we can help with that as well. But primarily we just focus on tech packs and and that's what we're pretty much doing all day, every day. And do you have a specific type of product that you specialize in or is it, do you work on all different types of products? All different types of products. So at the moment we do a lot of sportswear and athleisure. That's just what's popular at the moment, but we can do anything from clothing to bags um, to medical products and any soft goods really. We even do pet products, which is an interesting sort of small industry that seems like it's growing. Definitely worked on a couple of products in the past. What is your process when, you know, if I'm a new client and I want to work with you guys, what is the sort of process? How does it work? So first of all, we offer a free consultation just to speak with you, find out what your goals are, um, find out what you're struggling with and, you know, establish that we can definitely help you. And After that, we will get started preparing the different things that you're going to need for your tech pack. And we would help clients with that. Um, So you need to think about fabrics, your design, any labels, artwork, things like that, sizing as well. And you would also need to start with some kind of prototype or fit sample um, to show us the shape and the fit that you want to recreate. So that doesn't have to be anything custom made. It can just be something that you've bought and cut up yourself or modified in some way just to give us a starting point really for the tech pack. Once we have all of your information, we can go away and put the tech packs together. And depending on how many you want, it's normally about two to three weeks. And then we submit it to the client get any feedback, any revisions or changes that are needed, we'll do those. And and that's pretty much it. Simple. On average, how long does it take to get a tech pack done from start to finish with revisions? About three weeks or so. And uh, obviously it's just dependent on the product and how quickly the, the client responds and things like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, that too. And also it, it does depend on on how many we're doing. So You know, some clients just want one. Some clients might want, you know, 10 or 20 at the same time. 
And uh, when we spoke last, you said you've you work primarily with China, but what other countries have you made tech packs design products for? Other countries, um, Vietnam, Bangladesh, India, Portugal and Turkey. And um, where else? I think that's pretty much about it. Oh, and uh, Bali as well. With all those different countries, is there, are there specific types of products that you're designing for each country? Do you see any trends there? Occasionally, yeah. So the sort of more intricate handmade designs I've seen more made in India and places like Bali. Um, so, you know, very sort of difficult to handle fabrics and things with lots of tiny beads and, and sequins sewn on. And um, yeah, that that's pretty much the only overarching pattern I see. A lot of our clients do manufacture in China and in China, as you know, you can, it's such a big industry. You can really have anything and everything made. Part of the reason why I ask is obviously, you know, I have a lot of clients that have come to me and said, Hey Rico, like, uh, you know, I want to make this bag. I want to make jeans and, you know, can we do it outside of China because they don't want to be hit with the taxes and they're worried about the future climate. So I was just curious as to whether you see some trends there. But at the end of the day, like, yeah, like you said, the, the industry is so huge in China and China has so many advantages in terms of logistics and just sheer people to, to work on manufacturing. So it's going to be a while before things shift. Yeah. Usually creating the tech packs, but have you actually done communicating designs to factories? Have you actually dealt directly with factories? Yeah. So when I worked for other companies, um, that would be part of my job as well as designing products and creating the tech packs would be communicating with the factories and developing the samples through to production. Do you see any differences? Obviously there are differences culturally. So what are the differences between, you know, the different countries that you work with in terms of communicating designs? Well, first of all, I would say even before you think about cultural differences, first thing to think about is, is just the language barrier if the people you're working with probably aren't going to be speaking English and somebody's going to have to translate your tech pack into their own language. So yeah, most basic tip is just to keep, keep all of your language really brief and concise so that it can be really easily translated. And next tip after that would be a picture is worth a thousand words. So it's much easier to explain something with a drawing and get past those cultural differences and you know the different meanings of words even after you've translated them it's much easier to explain something with a diagram for sure going through your website i noticed that you you have a blog when did you when did you start the blog i think it's probably about three years old now and are you typically just talk, giving people tips on you know how to create tech packs or just like the fashion industry or yeah, most of the articles are related to tech packs or design or manufacturing somehow. And I normally come up with article ideas just based on what questions clients are asking me. Um, and after, you know, having answered the same question a few times, I know people, you know, need to know this information and, and it's not obvious to someone who's maybe newer to the industry. So yeah, that's how I sort of get the ideas for the blog articles. 
So it's sort of like an FAQ page. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I I do the same thing with my with my podcast and my YouTube videos. Like a lot of times, I'm just answering. I'm creating videos around stuff that my clients ask me, so that hopefully when when we do work together, they have they're a little bit more familiar with some of the processes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. What was some of your earliest difficulties starting a company, and how did you overcome them? Definitely when you're first starting out, I think the biggest problem is getting clients and actually getting, you know, new work. You've got, you've got sort of a whole calendar to fill and bills to pay. So that's definitely the hardest part in the beginning. And for me, I think I just got through that um, by trying to network and meet other people in the industry, talk to people and just put myself out there as much as possible and just tried to help people even if it wasn't necessarily a paid opportunity just helping people by giving away my knowledge as much as possible and just having patience as well I think is good it doesn't happen overnight and that's okay you just kind of have to keep keep working hard till it does and things will sort of pick up eventually you mentioned networking with any specific like did you have a specific strategy around that or were you just kind of looking for? I didn't, to be honest. <laughs> it was very completely unorganized. I more just sort of tried to take an approach of being as helpful as possible to anyone that I met or anyone that I connected with online. Moving into sort of the closing questions, where do you see yourself with your business in the next five to 10 years? In the next five to 10 years, I hope to still be what I'm doing today, to be honest, but maybe just on a slightly bigger scale. I have one employee at the moment and I hope to be able to grow that so we can keep doing what we're doing and just be able to do even more, even more tech packs and do them better and do them quicker. Actually, I forgot to ask this question. I was going to ask, like, I'm sure people sometimes Google tech packs or, you know, designers. What I guess what differentiates you from some of the other companies out there? The primary thing would be that we provide a prepackaged service. So we have a fixed price um, for either of our two tech packs and we have like a fixed time estimate as well. So Everything runs like clockwork. It's really easy to get started. And I've really tried to, by niching down and just providing one service, I've tried to kind of basically just create a machine where we can be really efficient and crank out a high volume of tech packs, basically. So you're very specialized in just focusing on the one service, right? Yeah, yeah, and because of that, we're we're very efficient at it, and you know, it helps us to be profitable as a company as well. I like working with people that specialize because, obviously, you know, you know exactly what you're doing. You're focused on that, and then you're going to be constantly improving in that area. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and not only is it easier for the client, it's also easier for us as well um, because we do do the same thing all the time. Um, you know, obviously we have a lot of experience to draw on and um, yeah, and, and we're very practiced and we can be efficient. What is the smallest thing you've done that's brought you the largest results so far in your business? 
I would probably say keeping an open mind and always staying curious um, and always, always learning. I feel like every time I look back at where I was a year ago or two years ago, I feel like there's been a lot of improvement since then and I can see how our skills have developed and all this new knowledge that we have. I just really, I really like that. But yeah, there's just so much more you can learn about a subject. It's almost like the more you know, the more you don't know. And yeah, it just keeps things really interesting. And yeah, it's just great to grow and and develop all the time. And what's your proudest entrepreneurial moment to date? Oh, wow. I would probably say getting my first full-time employee. That was definitely a big moment for me. And I'd sort of been working towards it for quite a while. Um, And it was also quite a relief as well at the time because I just had so much to manage all on my own. It was just a really nice feeling to be able to have someone else there to help and also just to be able to to give someone else a job. Yeah, I think it's an interesting experience because I was... I used to teach English in China and um, my first interns were my students because my students wanted to work with me. And I remember the transition because I was so used to, first of all, working for other people. But then even when I started the business, I was kind of like giving myself work. I only had to worry about what I'm doing. It was an interesting transition to go from like the worker mentality to like, oh, I'm responsible for this person and I have to you know, make sure that they know what they need to do every day and sort of structure the, their day so that you know, they understand what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a, a shift and you have to change the way you're working a little bit, yeah. Are you like a micromanager or macro <laughs> manager? Very, very much macro. I prefer to work with people who can use initiative and um, get things done in in their own time. What are three books, podcasts, or blogs that you'd recommend people check out if they wanted to understand you better? For anyone who wants to get into clothing design or start making textile products, I would really recommend a book on pattern making by Helen Joseph Armstrong. I feel like that's the the most fundamental knowledge you need to start designing clothes is really just learning how they're made and, and how they actually go together and, and how different fabrics work. And I have another one called Complete Guide to Size Specification and Technical Design. And that's by Paula J. Myers, I think. And that is a great book if you want to have a go at creating your own tech packs and your own specifications for manufacturing, that's a good place to start. One more. I'm really interested in a podcast called In Touch Quality, and they talk about issues related to quality control, factory audits, um, social compliance, and manufacturing in China. And I really feel like brands could benefit from learning more about quality um, because it can have a big impact on your returns rate, um, customer satisfaction and brand loyalty as well. Awesome. So is there anything that we haven't touched on that you wanted to talk about? Um, no, I, I don't think so. Not, not from the point of view of tech packs anyway. We, we definitely 
covered that topic. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what is the best way for people to reach out to you? If you are interested in um, starting some tech packs with us, you can sign up for a free consultation on the website, which is techpacks.co. Um, and if you want to keep in touch with what we're up to, we have a newsletter you can subscribe to. And you can also find us on social media at Tech Packs Co. Awesome. And yeah, we'll link up all those, uh, the website links in the description, sourcewayninja.com slash made in China. If you want to reach out to us, that's podcast at sourcewayninja.com. And obviously check out our YouTube channels, that's sourcefindasia, all one word. And I will see you guys next week. Belinda, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Cheers. Hike like gas prices. No such things as halfway crooks or half righteous. Those who have eyes should act like it's a help the sightless seeking the light switch to see in the night with be leading the lifeless. Uh sometimes I just wanna play some shows, make some dough, take it home, lay in my bed and stay in my safety zone. But CeeLo said it best. I know too much and I owe too much to let it rest. Heard a voice say, hey, you never question when you get the blessing. So don't get vexed when your life is stressed. And I promised I'll be with you no matter what the issue, but there will be some issues to address. Listen to the lady in the dress. I